Blog Talk Radio. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Serialites, welcome to Saturday Morning Serial, the show where we explore all those themes of Saturday morning cartoon television that we grow up with, and also, God damn it, they grow up with us. Prove me wrong. Also, when we're really lucky, we get to talk to a bunch of celebrities that you may or may not know. Uh, and this week, we are talking to uh, Carlos Alizraki. I believe I said that correctly, and you can ask him, and he'll confirm it. I bet you. We're also talking to uh, uh, Jill Michelle Million. I know I said that right. Uh, they, they, because they have a new movie coming out. It's coming out, uh, when is it? Uh, uh, I'm also, forgive me listeners, I'm going to talk to some people you definitely don't know, including uh, my co-host, uh, Marky. Are you there, Marky? I am here to bear witness. All right, that's good enough. Also, you're probably going to hear from Jimmy the Gent Lazinski. Jimmy, give him a sample of that. Greetings, citizens. All right, so uh, the three of us now, uh, we're going to be talking about this movie. Uh, it's called Witness Infection. Am I am I incorrect? Did I pronounce that right? I think you did. <laughs> I'm not. I don't think you, you pronounced Jill's name right. But I'm pretty uh, sure it's Witness Infection. <laughs> I, uh, I think, the witness infection. Gonna... Uh. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, Jill and and Carlos wrote, uh, produced. I'm sure behind the scenes directed, also starred in, along with a lot of other people. This new, it's a comedy horror zombie parody mix. Mobster movie. Uh, monster movie. It's, mobster. It, it's it's a mobster monster comedy. Yes. Maybe that's what it is. Because really, uh, we've been struggling to identify the genre it's in. But it's like comedy horror. It's but even that, we we decided, uh, that's so wide. And it's got such good examples in it. Yeah. I'm totally, I totally agree with that. There's so many examples. and But, I, you know, just off the top of my head, this is the first mobster monster comedy horror movie. Right? I mean, has there ever been a, a mobster version of this? Well, As a comedy? Well, I know there was, was a video was, game where there was a mobster monster a movie. Dead Heat that starred Treat Williams and uh, Joe Piscopo where they one of them was dead. I want to say maybe Treat Williams was dead and ended up being a zombie. And they, him and his partner... Policeman partner, detective partner Joe Piscopo went after the mob. 
So similar. Okay. So, right. so there right. was well, monsters a movie, in a movie way. with a mob. <laughs> this is a real movie, by the way. <laughs> this is dead heat. Real movie. Real I kind of love how you you almost have to uh, uh, qualify a proper uh, a horror comedy. Like it, it take like it's like no, they actually made this. You know, yeah. uh, it, there's there's a lot of that here, and we're going to hopefully go over some of these gems. Uh, as a matter of fact, as soon as you said Joe Piscopo, I thought, oh, it could be anything then. And I would believe <laughs> yeah. that he did it. That's most of his movies. <laughs> but you are right. There's like everything from I think there was like what the the Eddie Murphy Dracula vehicle. Oh, I forgot all at about some that point, one. Vampire, all the way up to you know, your Brooklyn. obvious scary movie where they just named an entire like airplane style franchise after scary movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it went well off the rails very quickly, and it's a what a eight part run or whatever. But there's been a lot of examples of horror comedy, and they themselves fill different genres. So it's a little difficult, but. Uh, yeah, give, uh, throw some examples out here. Let's see what sticks to the wall, boys. Okay, I'm going to go old school as usual. How deep is your cut? How, How deep, deep is, is your cut? cut? Gonna, okay, uh, like Fright Night, the original That's Fright be your Night new with Jingle Ronnie Jimmy. McDowell and uh, that Chris dude that was in Princess Bride and the voice of uh, Jack Skellington, right? You ever see the original Fright Night? That's a good flick. Yeah. I feel like telling me that someone was the original voice of Jack Skellington does nothing to remind me of Fright Night. (laughs) But yes, it's a cult classic. It stands on its own. I was looking for help on the actor's name. Chris Sarandon (laughs) is the cat. That was the vampire. And then uh, Evil Dead, like one, is just mostly Sam Raimi kind of fucking lives in that genre. I mean, mostly horror, but two and three then creep into more comedy and is really funny. Uh, can I say, uh, you actually just, uh, in that, that little word that you said, reminded me of something that's very, very special to me. Creepshow. Creepshow is a, it's kind of a, uh, it's a anthology Worst. type yeah. of show. It was okay. kind of like the, so far you had to laugh at it version of the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah, I believe, I and I, I you know, it. um, these were, uh, uh, Creepshow was inspired by horror comic books of the 1950s. So before they made horror comedy movies, there were horror comic books. And okay, well that's a loose oh boy, association. Here, we, here no. we go. It's not loose. It's very. It's very specifically like comic ex- book to comedy. The comic book was literally called Creepshow. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, but you're it right. They funny. did do that, but but no, and uh, like um, in the. In the Creepshow movie, it was Hal Holbrook, Leslie Nielsen, um, directed by George Romero. I mean, this was not Maybe a... Maybe you've heard of him. Yeah. I mean, this was a big movie. This was back in the, in the early 80s. Yeah. Um, and there's... Uh, they even... Like, like if you think back to Scream, that sort of reinvigorated the, the horror genre mm-hmm. in the 90s, that kind of only worked because it acknowledged the inherent sort of uh, overlap of comedy and yeah. horror. Yeah. Like you have to be self-aware like only a comedy can be to sell horror again. I, Which I, now we've got Bloomhouse where they don't need that anymore or the reality stuff. There's so much more horror out there. Horror there, comedy. There, yeah, we just, with the, last year we had the Banana Splits horror movie that was very much 
a mashup of horror and comedy. And then I just watched the Weekend at Willie's World, I think it was called, with Nick Cage. Almost the same premise mm-hmm. where animatronic an, uh, entertainment robots come to life and, and kill <laughs> people. I, I was unaware of that one, although mm-hmm. I just uh, watched a five-minute horror short on Hulu called The Hug, which is exactly about an animatronic Chuck E. Cheese-style robot yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that yeah. Sounds coming great. to life and killing a child. Well, that was the bear, though. Um, One of my favorites, um, and I saw this at Comic-Con back in 2006 or 7. They had it like in Ballroom 20, I think. Shay, you might have seen it with us. I I forget if you were there, but... Yeah, I might have. It was a movie called called Trick or Treat. (laughs) It could have been me. Oh, yes. I do remember watching it. It was like a long, tortured journey to get on the screen, and they finally had a distributor, and the big premiere, like two years later, was there uh, for us at Comic-Con. Yeah. It was the first time they could show it. And it was like Anna Paquin was in it, Brian Cox. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie, which I, you know, it's, I'm not a big fan of horror, as fans of this show know, but I really enjoyed it's the scary, hell easy. out of this. And um, one of the cool things... It was like winky horror. Right. And I it was think, still very jump scare and right. graphic, but yeah, they were like, Hey, you know you're watching a horror movie, right? Come have fun. Well I, I I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the the terror was coming from this tiny little kind of he was kind of like child size. You know, kind of look. It looked kind of silly, but he was he was fun terrifying. Yeah, it was like yeah, yeah it was horror fun. Well, size, I mean, that's yeah. taken straight from Chucky, but uh, yeah, yeah, and which Chucky could be a horror comedy. But as of well. course, there was always the haunted doll. There was like the haunted uh, uh, ventriloquist doll movie that was a huge cult hit in like the fifties. Do you, you guys Magic, remember the one with the, the fucking monkey with the symbols? Oh, and then yes, Monkey Shines monkey shine. later on. God, yeah, crazy. the haunted toy is always yeah, it's insidious. Insidious. It oh in fact uh, turned into a whole movie franchise called Insidious. Uh, <laughs> well you know what though too is But yeah that's definitely but that's more on the horror side where they use comedy to make you afraid. But I think this is also definitely more too, a comedy than a horror. Yeah, there's no jump scares per se, you know that, that which is why it's so hard to define the specific genre it's in. It is comedy, horror, parody, but it is definitely not like scary movie where it's a bunch of sight gags and Zucker Brothers style stuff. I think even in the interview, uh, Carlos mentions like we didn't want to go that direction. Mm-hmm. He even talked about one of to my my mind, one of the best comedy horrors, not horror comedies, comedy horrors, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, that's a good one. Where they upend all of the, and he compares it to that, like, that was the style we wanted to stick to, the the comedy and the horror that take their own world seriously. Uh You know, and that's what they did, and Tucker and Dale versus Evil, I was proselytizing that on social media fucking 10 years ago when I first found that little gem. Well, I'm there, sorry. There, there is... On your soundboard, do you have a button for uh, 50 cent words? Uh, oh. <laughs> ching, ching. <laughs> I'm a rich man. <laughs> but if nothing else, everyone out there, Google proselytizing. There is... I'm, um, I'm writing it. I'm not even sure how to say There is something really cool about... Um, 
there's something really cool about that kind of collective, which we haven't we haven't really had opportunity for since the COVID outbreak and all that other nonsense. But there is something kind of cool of when a lot of people are watching a scary movie together, when people get scared and they they react very viscerally, that they start laughing. And I've always thought that that was kind of cool, is that sometimes you kind of are embarrassed by your by your own fright. And so so laughing and fear kind of go hand in hand with the movie experience. And it's kind of cool that every once in a while you see a movie that kind of really actively puts those things together. And I think that's what this movie was. <laughs> no, you know, curtains are drawn. That's exactly what they were going for when they put this particular movie together. Uh, another yeah. one, which yeah. is probably my favorite, um, just to kind of finish my thought, is my favorite in this particular genre, because of the way that it tackles both things, is Big Trouble in Little China. Ooh. It is, um, you know, because there's demons. It's yeah, yeah, supernatural. Okay. Yeah, All right. and it's very, very Not a lot much of blood. It's there's very it's very much a comedy. It's a John Carpenter movie. You know, Kurt Russell's in there. Kim Kim Cattrall, obviously. John Carpenter was good at straight out horror as well. Though. Yeah. Um, and all of his horror movies Got had a little bit of things. Oof. Yeah. And he kind of needed a little bit of levity, and that's kind of what he created here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, graded well, Jack I was going to say that's the two that's the two pendulum swings of the movie, right? You really want, as the movie maker or director, you really want the audience to feel something, and what the, we get the biggest reaction is laughing and being scared. So when you can swing from if it's a funny situation and all of a sudden something scary happens, that's a really big swing, and you notice and feel that, right? And uh, the same way the other way, if you're really scared, like in you know um, in the Joker when. He's killing everybody in the room, and then the little midget clown, the little, I'm sorry, the little person clown can't reach the lock, right? You're not sure, should I laugh right now? But it, but it makes you feel something, yeah. right? It's, a, it's, it's, very, it's something the, that you can point to, right? The whole theater. Yeah. It's manipulating your feelings as an audience yes. member. And everybody and sounds dirty that way, but that's a what minute a and 20 good seconds, storyteller yeah. does. Everybody yeah, yeah. in that theater where I watched Joker, everybody laughed at that scene. And we all felt very guilty about it. Right. It's a very slow, uncomfortable, like, should I be la- I mean, I think this is funny, but I should I be laughing? <laughs> yeah. But that, that's the idea. I mean, that's the I think Now, that's but what I feel like I could argue that, that this movie that says you should laugh at everything and, yeah. fe- and not actually yes. feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So it's not quite that genre either. This but is God, the other one so where you're close. laughing and then all of a sudden really, something really scary happens or some great... Uh, yeah, but just it, it's breaking tension, and we've said it on the show before, you know, screaming or laughing, it's just a couple clicks away on the color wheel of emotion Yeah, as compared to everything else. They are so close. Uh, and I bet the only way we could get more insight onto this without you getting to watch it, because, again, you can't watch it until it comes out. Uh, again, the, my original question, guys, when does this movie come out? Pretty sure that's the 30th of this March year. 30th? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, 
God, it's coming in a, out real in a soon. a couple then. days, depending on when you're listening to this, it's either coming out in a couple days. Yes, uh, or it has been out for a little while. Yes, uh, Freestyle Digital Media has announced that the cable, satellite, and digital HD release of Witness Infection from filmmakers uh, from the filmmaking team of Carlos. Uh, what's that name again? Alice Rocky. Ooh, aren't you <laughs> And Jill uh, Michelle Maline. Sure, probably not, right? Million. Jill <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Million. Uh, yes, but yes, it will. Uh, this is going to be the festival favorite Living Dead comedy will arrive March 30th on a number of digital and cable platforms. So get ready. And by the way, um, you guys are, this is a who's who cast. So aside from Carlos, who we've mentioned, um, this particular movie has Tara Strong, who is a darling of voice acting, one of the premier voices for um, a little Batman character from a particular Batman animated series. I can't remember her name. Uh, Jimmy, what's the character that Tara Strong voices? Harley Quinn? Harley Quinn. I I can't believe I forgot uh, that. I mean, among others, uh, <laughs> Raven. I mean, where, where do you want to go? Where, yeah, I mean, that's the thing about voice actors. They tend to have 10 credits to every one that uh, yeah. live-action actors she, um, have. I, I'm embarrassed to say I'm not sure which one, but she was one of the Powerpuff Girls. Yep, she was yeah. one of them. Yep, yep. She's, she's one a, of the three icon. of them. That's a, that's she's an icon in the uh, voice acting industry and um, one of the bigger female gets. And Maurice Lamar was in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maurice Lamar, she was fucking... Uh, the, peaking the brain. Like the grandfather, like he is... He does the Orson Welles voice that we've mm-hmm. all heard for the last 30 years because Orson Welles has been dead. He's uh, the brain. As a matter of fact, we I feel like we talked to them all about all the vo- – wait a minute. Why are we still talking about what we talked to them about? Because we're bad at this. We, we <laughs> <laughs> Because what we shouldn't Circle be doing is all this. <laughs> all right. Listen, honestly, guys, I think it's about time we just took it over to the interview. Are you guys okay with that? Do it. Let's do it. Meanwhile. Sorry, I digress. Here we go. That's groovy. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. At the uh, Saturday Morning Serial Podcast. Today we're talking to Carlos Alizaraki and Jill Michelle Millian. Pretty good? Very close. Damn Latino names. Yes. If, I, if you would do it with like an attitude and put your hand up, you get our names better. Like Alas Rocky, Melian, Melian, Alas Rocky. Got to have that little accent there. Yeah. So, and we're talking about the latest hit, uh, Witness Infection, oh. yeah. that you find folks wrote, produced, and starred in. Yeah. So, uh, my first question is, uh, where did you guys, how did you come up with this story? A mashup of gangster zombie movies, right? You touch on, you homage almost every gangster and every zombie movie. So where's the inspiration for this, uh, mashup story? I think both of us being, I'm a big Sopranos fan, obviously love that show. And both Jillian and I always love Shaun of the Dead. And said, I, I had this seed of an idea of mixing zombies and, and, the time we were trying to find a good seat that would make it work and i love peaky blinders and so as we started to write it we're like what how can we make this we started developing some characters and i go what i love on peaky blinders is the younger brother has to marry 
a gypsy uh, family in order for the families to stop fighting. And so I borrowed that conceit. And then Jill came on, you know, with she had already developed some female characters as well and other characters. And we just blended it together. Right. Yeah. It was really organic. I mean, uh, Carlos and I, we've known each other for a really long time. Um, We met. Oh my gosh, how many years ago? I don't even remember. Uh, at the the um, what used to be called the Latino Laugh Festival, and now it's called the Ha Comedy Festival. And in San Antonio. Yeah, in San Antonio, and we were just like fans of each other, and then we kept in touch, like here or there. And then on Reno 911, I got cast as his sister, and from there we're just like, you know, we get along so well. We're very like-minded. And he's, and I'm, you know, stand up, he's stand up. And then we started touring together. I started opening up for Carlos and it was like almost four years of that. And the camaraderie we had on the road together, because we weren't like typical comics, like we would get up and like, we do adventurous things and, and we would like find graveyards and go ghost hunting and like do weird, we were just weird kids together. And I say kids loosely, you know, off the uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. with a beer in hand. The ice storm in Kentucky was a really great trip. We we got stuck in Dallas, and we yeah. went walking out at night in this ice storm in Dallas. Like the only people like near the freeway. It was just no, insane. Was huh? We got stuck in Detroit. Um, no, Dallas. You went to Dallas. Dallas, okay. Dallas on our way to Kentucky. Okay. Yeah, it's I think we might have got the stuck same in Detroit another either. time. Um, say the D's. One's French. But we uh there was an ice storm that delayed our flight, so we went out walking. Uh we got a hotel and went out walking and we came across this uh semi truck with a plexiglass with a race car inside of it. I remember that and we're like we went to go see a, another mall and it was closed. We're like, we should get back now. But then we landed in Kentucky and it was like Superman's home. It was all crystal palacey. Mm-hmm. The trees were crackling with crystals and that was a really cool trip, but we always had this bonding thing going on. So knowing that we could get together on the road as comics, we were sure that we could trudge through a script. But really, I came to her house like in the spring of 2018 with this idea. Within three months, we had pretty much the full outline and a first version of the script. And then by August, we had a table readable script. And a guy named Matt Danner, who directs Muppet Babies and who plays Kermit now, little baby Kermit, uh, he's a director that I've known from a lot of animated projects. And he goes, you guys got a really tight script here. And so with that, we kind of made some notes. We went, and then we went about the process of trying to find producers. The first one didn't work out. Jelly, we interviewed some directors that they wanted to really turn it into a Zucker Brothers thing. How about some zombies with cement shoes and leaving a zombie horse head in the bed? No, that's not what we want. We we want it more Shaun of the Dead. So Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you can pick it up from there. We found, who did we find eventually? Uh, well, eventually we found the perfect match, and I gotta say, perfect match from the beginning of his idea all the way to being on set and handling me and Carlos, because two of us together is like two little like ADD kids running around and like this. But we get the job done, you know exactly a little bit. Um, but Andy Palmer, Andy Palmer um, did uh, he directed Funhouse Massacre and um, Colbrook and Camp Colbrook, and he is. What's great about him is I saw Funhouse Massacre, and I was like, okay, that's really crazy and wild. And and then I saw Camp Colbrook. I went, ooh, that's eerie and like more slow. I go, I go, he really knows the essence of horror, and that's what we needed because Carlos and I, we knew when we were writing who we wanted uh, as far as cast, um, and so we put that in our minds. We've worked with so many incredible comedic actors. 
and we had them on our phone, <laughs> their phone numbers, and we were just like, this is who I want for this. This yeah. is who I So we knew the comedy would be covered. We just needed someone to wrangle us down because, you know, comics can get a little, you know, wild. Um, and but to give that horror element that was very necessary. Um, and he got it. Andy was like, he was perfect. And even on set, the way he handled us was just, it was like, I couldn't have asked for a better director unless it was possibly George Lucas. Like that is yeah. <laughs> George Lucas. Right. Got a Mad Max chase scene here in the yes. desert. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a couple names above Andy's, but they just weren't available. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Available. Exactly. Yeah, wasn't in Sydney, you know. <laughs> but, and yeah, when? We, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. But just to encapsulate, we did our writing pass after the table read, and then we gave it to Andy. He goes, I, I have to do a director's pass because you guys have written a, a three million dollar movie, and <laughs> it's financed by my wife and I, so we didn't have three million. So let's make changes based upon that. Let's uh, take out some, you know, took out some dialogue to speed up the story. And Andy went through his pass because he's an editor and because he knew on a 16 day shoot what he could, what he could and couldn't shoot that helped refine the script and it helped us move it along. And in the end, it's a nice short, tight film. You're not, you know, it's not a Peter Jackson film where you're like, Oh my, here, here comes another Hobbit. Yeah. (laughs) Very good. There you go. That was it. Yeah. Very economical storytelling, yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask, you wrote the script in, would that be uh, 2019? Just pre- Actually, I believe we started summer 2018. We started shooting December of 2019, mm-hmm. Okay, if I remember correctly. And the cool thing is, is that, uh, Jimmy and Dan, the, the really cool thing about the script was, you know, Carlos and I, of course, as comics, write our own material, and I've written a couple of projects, and you know, Carl and I both worked on many, many other uh, film and television projects. But when we wrote it, we thought it was great. And you know how like some people just, oh, it's great. And then, but when we started getting it out there and really getting an acknowledgement, like you said, of people saying, this is really good. Um, we had a couple of offers come in to buy the script from us. And that's when Carlos stepped up as the most amazing executive producer I've ever worked with. And him and his wife were just like, you know, we're going to do this because if we sold it, Carlos and I would have been out, you know, who knows how it would have gotten made, you know, whatever. We have a few dollars in our pocket, but as actors, you know, this world is so, especially now it's so like slim pickings that you really have to be proactive and create your own project. And when Carlos and his wife said, you know, we're going to step up and executive produce this, it was just like this dream come true. But at the same time, we also knew we had something really good. So I wouldn't recommend everyone just throwing all their money into something that without knowing, like, this is a really strong story. And it's all about story, story, story. So I just wanted to add that in. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if the bottom falls out, can Carlos and his wife sleep on your couch for a while? Yeah, or by your washer and dryer, yeah. And a guest room for them. (laughs) You've got a pretty good dog dog house. But, yeah, you know, kind of inspired by the Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I love Dead Snow. I love Lederhosen Zombies, all these weird kind of, you know, but Tucker and Dale versus Evil um, and Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead was $5 million budget, but Tucker and Dale a little bit cheaper. But I just like that independent sense and – once the team was assembled, the DP, Philippe from Belgium, and Andy had worked together on a couple projects. Um, Warner had produced with him before. So 
so he got another guy. What was his name? Who was working the Ronin all the time? The handsome guy with the tattoos. Oh yeah, Justin. Trying to shove you, you know, get you guys together. Um, but he just had a he had a good crew. We had a good little working crew, and like we said, we knew the actors uh, that we wanted, and everybody was like, it was a total little rascals approach, you know. We some days got rained out. We got the switch actors at the last minute. Uh, we'll get like Monique Coleman's role was originally uh, Deborah Wilson. Uh, our friend from Mad TV in Reno, uh, she was too busy and was not able to make it. So last second, Jilly calls Monique Coleman. She's in Australia meditating, going, I just meditated on a movie like this, so I'm there. <laughs> Thank you for this character, you know, our Foxy Brown, Pam Greer uh, ripoff. Right. Um, and then we had happy accidents great. with the wardrobe where Jilly said, I want the two guys in the car, Joe Reitman and Gary Anthony Williams, to be dressed like Pulp Fiction the moment that uh, yeah let's toss that in there we already got mo- zombies and mobs let's throw a little pulp fiction in there see if that works and we got pam greer put it in a cup in a, in a kitchen aid and see what happens you know yeah that uh the pulp fiction with uh joe reitman and uh gary williams that was i i mean to, to know that was one of the cooler scenes i thought that little homage between the of pulp fiction and to find out that that was edited last second um, yeah. shows what a great script you had already. Like you can just, you know, you've got a great soup. You can just keep throwing some celery in there, yeah. keep throwing some carrots in there, keep keep throwing stuff in there. Um, you said you shot it in 16 days, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah with, yeah. with two or three days of pickups. And then, so the script itself is it? It's it's like we said, it's pretty tight, and it's written mostly in uh, scenes or vignettes, right? So does that help you get the cast? Who aside from uh, Carlos and Jill? And uh, Robert Belushi, the star, everybody else is almost a cameo, right? Like a kind of a little. Yeah, there's the there's the main three, which is uh, Jilly and Vince Don Vito playing Vince and Rob Belushi. There there are Harry Potter, Ron Weasley and Hermione. <laughs> and then we're going to mm-hmm. fill in the Snapes and the Slytherin and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's the way it was. It, it was modularized like that. We knew the mm-hmm. core three. She knew Brett Ernst. Uh, the guy who played our, our hunter from New Jersey, Ryan Bottaglieri. I wanted to cast him as Dominic, but I think Brett was a little bit more on point. And then in the end, Ryan works out being great as the hunter in the first scene. I knew Vince forever. Vince is going to be Vince. I thought I was going to play Carlo originally. Then Allison Bosch, who casts Puppy Dog Pals, a bunch of animation, who originally was a casting director for According to Jim, saw Rob growing up on set and knew that Rob was a good actor. I, by chance, uh, about six months prior, met Rob and Tim Stoltenberg. Tim is our hair salon guy who gets it in the end. Mm-hmm. And in a commercial acting improvised workshop. So I, I met Rob through that. And then Allison said, why don't you play the father and get this actor, Rob Belushi? And I went, I just met him. So again, like Monique Coleman, serendipitous, we grab Rob. Aaron Hayes I had worked with on Kevin Can Wait. And I knew, obviously, that her ending on that show wasn't fantastic. We kind of had some camaraderie for two weeks while I was there. And I'm like, hey, Aaron, I know you're kind of looking for work. <laughs> you wanna... She's not now. She's booking like crazy. But yeah. she's like, yeah, I want to do this. So we snagged Aaron. I, of course, knew Tara Strong and Maurice LaMarche from VoiceOver World. Snagged them. And, you know, so Jilly's pulling Monique. Jilly is pulling uh, Brett Ernst. I'm pulling these actors. Um, and it's just it's just working. So, yeah, with the three core in place, we knew that th- that was solid. And if we could get the best actors for each part, then we've got, like, that bonus coverage. Because we wanted to have a story like Shaun of the Dead where it tracks, where 
every, every character sort of has a small little arc because this isn't this isn't an Oscar winning movie where the characters have to have such wonderful arcs, but a little bit, you know. Yeah. So we Do gave them work. those their, their teeny little arcs, you know. Rob yeah, I'm a big character. Character work is my my big thing. I like to see everybody have an arc. I'm always when I watch a movie, I'm like, well, what happened to such and such? You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah so like, is there? You're saying there might be some deleted scenes with you and Vince where that um, where that potential romance blossoms a little bit. That would never happen. No, never. Never. <laughs> never. Vince may have wanted us to shoot a, a particular type of scene, but uh, yeah. <laughs> there were some good long extended hugs and a couple of takes in the in the deer scene. Yeah, right, uh, Vince right, wanted right. to do that over and over again for some yeah. reason. Yeah. You know, when, yeah. when Rob takes off and she needs a hug, he's like, "I think I blinked. Can we? Can I get one more? No. Yeah. We got it, Vince. We got it. Moving on. <laughs> right. That's good. Uh, and yeah, then the cast, you guys got like uh, it's a who's who of voice actors. I guess yeah. Carlos, you you brought them in, but at one point, I honestly thought like I think the plan was to do this as an animated movie, and then they got lazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because Tara could play seven seventeen roles. Obviously, Maurice is a legend. I just saw Mo at the gym this morning, and um, but yeah, um, even Gary Anthony Williams is underrated as a voiceover actor. He's doing quite oh, a bit yeah. of voiceover work. Right. And on Sheriff Callie, he did like four characters on that, on that series. And, uh, yeah. And Joe Reitman, I noticed done some voice work. Jilly's done some. So we're all, we could have, this could have been an animated movie for sure. So well, there's next time. <laughs> next time. Yeah. We're lucky. We're lucky. We have good friends. We have talented friends that, that we're willing to work on a low budget feature, to be honest. And, you know, that's, because the thing about me playing the Carlo would have meant that we would have had to cast a Pauly Sorvino type, a recognizable older Italian man, and that would have killed our budget. So it was a good, it was serendipitous in that uh, moment as well. I, I like being uh, the dad, and Rob is great. <laughs> Rob is the uh, the eye of the hurricane, right? He's the Jerry Seinfeld in this movie. Everybody else is Kramer and George and Elaine and. He's just trying to steer it straight. <laughs> I did enjoy him in that role, so thanks for letting him shine. I know, I know, yeah. you finally had to be the one to sign off on it, Carlos. So thanks yeah. for doing that. Yeah, he did. He did great. You know, he was always worried. And he will tell you this, Andy Palmer. He was always worried. Am I bringing enough? I kind of feel flat. And to tell you the truth, I would have played it more like Simon Peggish, like, "Come on, Gina, we gotta go." But he was just like. He played the part of somebody that's just like, what the fuck is going on with my family? Well, which it worked in the end because that was one big thing that we all had. I mean, yeah, I come from character work. I'm a character actor, you know, so playing the straight person was actually harder for me because I was like, where's all my jokes? You know, like <laughs> I would, you know, but you, it's because you're the catalyst and it's so important. So it was great that we wrote the characters so well that they all complement each other and actually I, after our first table read with Rob, I looked at Carlos and said, this works better. <laughs> He's <Yeah>. like, what? <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just because it grounded the, the, the film more. It made it a little bit more real where you're like, oh, I know someone like that. I know someone like that. I know someone like that. What I want as a filmmaker is I want someone to relate to someone in the film always. Um, you know, and it could be the best friend or it could be the, the person that came in, you know, the Foxy Brown that came in for a minute and you're like, oh my God, I'm like her, I'm sassy, you know, or something where each character is very strong that you, they just don't overpile each other, that you're just like, okay, this is too much because yeah. we are, 
big characters, every single one. Like I would say, if you write and you can picture an action figure, then that's correct. <laughs> yeah. And how proud are we that we give a shout out to Yafet Kodo, RIP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mosley. Hey. Timely. Yeah. He, uh, he bites it in Alien. Although Harry Dean Stanton gets killed first, I believe. That's true. A lot of people don't make it out of Alien. No, they don't. Even Tom Skerritt. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, only one really made it, right, Ripley? The cat. Uh, did, the, did the cat survive? I think the cat survives, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jones. Harry Dean Stanton gets it by saving the cat. Mm-hmm. Save the cat. That's what that book is all about. Yeah. Save the cat. <laughs> it is. I never put the it's, monster uh, in the box. I've just finished reading that book, and I didn't realize that's what it was about. Yeah. And by reading, I mean uh, moving it from one bookshelf. Vigorously flipping through through it it and then putting it on another bookshelf. It's hot in here. I just want you to know I have the book. Uh, (laughs) I think every film lover has the book. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, My teacher said this is a good one to read. Yeah. Um, So you finished it up early before the pandemic hit, before all the craziness hit, and then you submitted it to the festival tour? So. That's where we we hit that weird wall, you know, this new pandemic wall, so you call it, um, because we were really looking forward to the festival circuit and being out there because you know how in the festivals you meet so many people. And and that's why Carlos and I really love it because the horror genre for us is such a huge, like, love. They were like, I can't wait to meet all the people in the horror genre and, like, just take pictures and have fun and, and, you know, network. And it was like, and so everything was online, you know, and we won great awards, um, but that was lost. Yes. However, there is the big hope out there that because of the way it had shifted and we didn't know how long this was going to last, they've run out of things to acquire that are actually good. And then our film can be acquired to something to and then that next level, which maybe wouldn't have had the opportunity before that. So um, what, there's the hope. There's the hope. Yeah. We were discussing with the Indiegogo uh, winner that we did a private screening for him that, you know, maybe we get to go to the Alamo Draft House somewhere in whatever state and do a midnight screening of our movie in black and white. We have the Romero ed- edition, oh, wow. which Andy oh, cool. kind of edited on his own. And people really dig it. I have a friend, an actor. We have a friend named Nacho Sirikio. He's on Lost in Space, plays Dan Wells with the chicken Deborah. And he goes, dude, you got to market the, the black and white. But Andy's like, he's right. People want color. But yeah, so that would be the hope. The one live festival we did get to do was a non-film festival. It was, a, it was an entire comedy festival called the Haw Festival in San Antonio in February 2020. Mm-hmm. And people, they weren't horror fans per se, but they wanted to see what two Latin writers came up with. And, they re- and Monique Marvez is this comic who we both know from Miami, who's this tough she does not mince words. And she goes, this film is fucking good. It's really good. I really <laughs> like this. She, she gave us the dinero and we're like, if Monique, to say that, and for everybody else that was there live and getting to see them with it, they, we really truly got that people, hey, people dig this film. And we wanted more of that. But then this uh, thing happened. And uh, so we've done it virtually. Well, I guess it worked. I mean, is it, does it seem like seems to me i'm very much a novice but it seems to me like if you wrapped filming right at the beginning yeah. of last year and uh it's premiering march 30th this year it seems like almost on track for a release 
Yeah, it's pretty tight, actually. It's a pretty tight turnaround. So, yeah, you're right. It It is on track. And I remember we were thinking, oh, it's got to get out by October of 2020. It's got to get it. And our Warner, other producers saying, no, because you you flood it out. It, it, you got to time it just right. And Andy's like, you know what? Let's just wait till the winter or spring of 2021. It's going to be fine. Well, as Jilly said, there's a need for a lot of content. So Yes, and, I've and already seen everything else. Right. <laughs> it's been a long year. And, and remember for a minute there, Netflix like acquired every 90s movie. And I was like, how many Ashley Judd movies are there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Showing some chinks in the collection armor, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is she in Zeus and Roxanne? No. No, no, that's Ann Archer. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, How about the um, let's let's dig in, let's roll up our sleeves and dig into the blood and gore and the special effects a little bit. Yeah. Um, there's, I would say, uh, just a guess. Obviously, you guys made it, but I'm gonna guess 80 to 90 percent uh, in camera effects with very little CGI. Right? Is that is that a pretty fair estimate? Practical effects by the one and only Jim Ojala from okay. Dead Girl uh, originally, and from Jim Ojala Films and Strange Nature, my famer, my former across the street neighbor. So that's all Jim Ojala and his team. That was all, you're correct, about 90%. The digital effects come in the bar with the shooting of the shotgun. And yeah, that's the only place a, I saw, noticed it, yeah. What's Danielle's last name again from, from San Antonio who helped us with the Georgeman oh, scene? Oh, God. I always mess up his life. I don't remember. You know about Saldivar. I think it's Saldivar. Saldivar, yes. Saldivar. He, he did, and Jilly, if you want, I, I can explain it over unless you want to. The Georgeman scene where... She sees Mr. Georgeman, the uh, adulterous bastard from the dog grooming place, and huh. she smacks him with the face in the bat. That was originally just one hit. Um, and so we had another uh, Justin Ridge, I want to say his name is, or Jason Ridge, another editor, Andy's friend, fool around with it, and he multiplied it and had Georgeman getting hit over and over and over again. It's just the, the repeat. Andy said during our uh, private screening that he got the inspiration from a scene where a guy's was it another Lucas scene was a Star Wars thing mm-hmm. where somebody's All hanging right. on to something and Thanks. they just shook it once but the direct the editor decided to repeat it to make it look like somebody was shaking it so he used that method for the scene and then we hired this guy Saldivar to do the degradation of Mr. Georgeman's face with each hit mm-hmm. so that was a compilation of uh, the editing and digital but those are the only two spots really everything else we're very proud of this zombie kill. I've never seen a zombie's head get pulled off of the toilet seat. Hey, and Jim was outstanding. Like, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Spoilers. <laughs> mild spoilers. And mild spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, you've seen it though, right? They've seen it. Oh, we've seen. Oh, yeah. So we, I, yeah. I've seen yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Dan and I both. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, when this. Go, oh, yeah. Hopefully, somebody will listen to this though. Oh, sorry. I wanted to bring it up, but I thought. Sorry, oh, but that might well, be you don't know who it is. Whoops. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, Jim scored the head. We did all this work. There was a guy holding it, and uh, and I, now I've given way to a. But that was one where we were really proud. Um, Jilly had a thing happen during the, the, the go get your shine box. Uh, <laughs> you can tell them. I mean, a lot of the maybe. stuff, because we, we did all, all everything like puppeteering. And I personally like that kind of filmmaking when I watch something and it's so well done, um, with, with makeup and all of that without the, the CGI. I, I'm, I'm always a little bit against it. A little bit is fine. But I, it makes me feel real. Like when you watch Jabba the Hutt, like you feel his squirt coming out. Like you're like, you know, where when they did like the remake and they like digitally enhanced things, you're like, that's weird. I don't, I can't, I don't feel it. That's me personally. So 
I love how Jim really had there. There's points where there were tubes everywhere to create this look of the pustulant um, infection coming out on uh, on the people's skin, and it takes like a it takes a team of people to create that and work together to watch all these people working in unison to create one look that capture on on camera that lasts you know 10 15 seconds i find that such a cool part of filmmaking um and he was so good at it because when we sat down with him we're like we don't want this to look like just zombies like this is this is not like a zombie flick flick like you know a typical this is an infection that has come out to kill off his mob families so he was like got it and when he came up with the look with all those this boils and boils I was like, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, And he did an outstanding job with like, uh, I mean, if we're going to specifically talk about the toilet scene, but the, the, the pustules and the blisters and everything, uh, you've got multiple appliances on the actor, right? A face Mm -hmm. and arms and they're swollen and they're pulsing and everything's working and pumping and pus is coming out and you yeah. can't see any of those tubes, which is really the yeah. art, right? And, and yeah. you know, uh, a lot of those things are sloppy, the, the practical effects. So I like to focus in on those and I couldn't see any seams along the sword. Yeah. I couldn't see any, I mean, it was real so well and on everybody, not just on, on the one scene, everybody had really good uh, special effects. Yeah. 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 It was great. The, the night there's a, there was a night where we have an outdoor scene, uh, Let's call it the the driving scene, and 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 uh, we run into some people in the woods. And that night was a really big night, and it, and the actors it was both their birthdays on that same night. So we we were there all night. We built uh, our production designer built street lamps. Uh, there was a brook with running water when we originally scouted it. There was no running water, but rain came along, and uh, that was such a huge night. And that, and there was Megan and Amber doing it all with those guys. Yeah. And it was amazing what they did. So yeah, they're they're a professional team. So it just shows like you a- how like in indie filmmaking because your 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 cast and crew it's so small how everyone has to work together and work well together um, because we're moving so fast. You know, I just did a project where it was a network um, thing in in studio, and I couldn't believe fifty takes, five o takes on one scene, and I was just like. Uh, and there's a part of me that there's a beauty of it because you can, but then I love how fast we move because that means you pick the team of people that you really trust. And because you have that trust amongst each other, everyone brings it to the next level. And so it's like two different things. Like, yeah, the paycheck's really good at the studio, but man, this is so much fun to make indie films. Yeah. <laughs> Was that uh, Stanley Kubrick you were working with? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Kubrick, <laughs> his cousin, C. right? Stephen um, Kubrick with a C. So, um, Jill and Carlos, I kind of also want to ask you about the writing the actual kills. Do you, when you're writing the script, is it like blah blah blah? Uh, I killed a zombie, and then later on you put in toilet seat action. You know, you you flesh it out with the toilet seat, or do you have like, or do you come to the? Do you sit down in front of the computer like, I want to rip this zombie's head off with a toilet, and I got to figure out how to get that in there. We know we wrote that one specifically. We wrote all the kill scenes specifically. And then there's a scene, a big scene uh, that we wrote. And when Andy saw it, he goes, well, we don't have space or time to film all that. 
So let's take a couple of those things that you wanted to have happen out because mm-hmm. we only have time for this and, and reduce it to this. And in the end, I think that's what makes the film more charming is that we have a few specific good kills and then it's not overloaded with like World War Z with thousands of, so you really focus on those mm-hmm. and, and they, they, uh, they pop out more. They stand out more, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, Carlos, when we were writing, because we were, I, I'm a big stickler of getting a solid outline before we attack a script, because I know with me and him, dialogue, we just go like this. So it was very specific characters, very specific the outline, and then Carlos was really adamant about making sure that these kills were unique. Yep. Uh, so yeah. we tossed around so many ideas constantly, and then we came up with these certain kills that I think I hope that you guys saw it when you, it translates as something like, oh, I haven't seen that before. Oh, that's, oh that's yeah. Great. Yeah. So we really tried hard to do that. So it's not just like, yeah, kill, 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 blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> but even the bat scene that we didn't write, uh, mm-hmm. that's something that Andy and those editors yeah. really made really special. Um, so, yeah, we got lucky on both. And they made me look cool. So that's yeah. <laughs> Would you say is that a little, um, is it, uh, Therapeutic writing zombie death scenes. Scenes. Do you get? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you can tell too for Jim. He loves it. Like Jim's like the more blood and explosions, the better. Yeah. Tearing and ripping and yeah. We're all we're all into it for yeah. sure. Yeah. We love it. You, you just work, 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 and like everybody gathers around for the kill scenes. Everybody just huddles around the right. It's not some boring lines or dialogue. Oh, give a kill scene. Come on, everybody. And even the one that we were, we're talking about, and hopefully the, the viewers have forgotten about it, Jill was watching on the monitor, and it freaked her out. Oh, and I was like, why are you so scared? And then I saw it back on the monitor. I was like, yeah, that's pretty gross. I mean, I'm saying in my, I thought I ruined the whole scene. Like, I'm standing there, and we got, you know, one take for these big uh, these things. And I'm watching, and I went, ah! Like, because I didn't expect, like, he put that surprise in for me at the end of it. And for all of us, he surprised us. Jim just went took it to the next level and then i looked at andy and i was like oh he's like fine don't worry i thought i totally had <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun killing things on camera so very cathartic <laughs> i get to blow i get i get to blow some people away you know i won't i won't give away too much i get to you know <laughs> the dad gets into it a little bit come on and i think my favorite part about uh being on a horror film set is that when it comes to lunchtime or dinner time, yeah. you know, you got zombies eating with you. Eating tablioni. Totally. Their guts are all hanging out. They're like, mm-hmm. it's in the trailer. We're eating tablionis. Yes. Um, we look like we might be running out of time here. So I just want to point out uh, outside of, the, if, if it might be another small spoiler, Really genius the way you pulled at the trope of how everybody gets back into the bar. Like uh, yeah. Vince is just like, man, I hope nobody leaves this door open. I, I mean, that would be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody <laughs> leaves, I mean, I can't believe nobody's checking that door. <laughs> and, and sure yeah, enough, it's, it's again, it's it beautiful. is those old zombie tropes, and they obviously tackle it beautifully in in Shaun of the Dead when the cell phone goes off outside. And but then when his his flatmate gets mad and bashes the window, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. you know, so they were very good at and so we really want to hit the nail on the head on some of those old zombie tropes is like there's certain things you don't do 
and, and that's one of them. You know, that's, that's right. number one. Right. I, I really loved it. I really loved the whole movie. Uh, Dan, I were, Dan and I were talking off mic, and uh, it's great, great work, guys. Thank you, thank, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Um, but as I as I mentioned, we are it looks like we're running out of a little bit of time here. So I want to bring this plane in for landing and ask you my favorite final question, Jill and Carlos. When you were we we folk and used to get up early on Saturday mornings to watch cartoons, uh, what sort of big bowl of Saturday morning cereal did you pour for yourself and enjoy? Oh my gosh, Fruity Pebbles. I was I was Fruity Pebbles and I would make it just sit and get it mushy. Like and just let it wait, and you do that too, Dan. <laughs> just like really gnarly, just soak up all the milk, and then just suck on it. It was yeah. so gross, and I just I couldn't, and I couldn't get enough of it. I would eat a whole box and not tell my parents. So. <laughs> Special occasions because my family was like, no sugar, so we'd eat cornflakes with freaking five teaspoons of sugar. But it was uh, honeycomb, honeycomb, and I, same thing. Pour the milk, let it get soggy and gummy. And they eat the gummy honeycomb, so that was totally or Fruit Loops, <laughs> but honeycomb uh, or Super Sugar Crisp back then, which is corn pops now. Yeah, yeah, letting it get soggy kind of can't do any damage to the roof of your mouth. Kind of defeats the whole purpose. Right. Yeah. Right. So hey, uh, Carlos, Jill, uh, I don't want to lose you in the middle, but so thanks for hanging out with us today and talking about Witness Infection, available March 30th on digital and wherever you get your downloads, VODs, right? Yeah. Yes. And then uh, we can expect that black and white cut on the DVD specials. Oh, yeah. When we start cutting that DVD special, we get the Romero version. Yeah. Right. Romero cut. All right. Uh, yeah. Thank that, you, guys. Hey, thank you guys very much also for Reno 911 that helped me through this quarantine, watching that again about three <laughs> times through the entire series. Uh, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank you for that. Oh, uh, you're quite welcome. <laughs> well, you guys have it ready. Have yeah, a great I'm rest ready. of your day, all right? Thanks. Bye, Jimmy. Bye, Dan. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye, guys. Are you hungry? Hungry as a gremlin? Here's gremlin cereal. Satisfies the hungry little gremlin that's in all of us. Gremlin cereal is part of this complete breakfast. Gremlin, yum yum. Is this, is all of this from like an alternate dimension where Tim Burton directed <laughs> the Gremlins? It sounded. What the hell was it that? It sounded like a little Vincent Pricey, didn't it? That sounded a little like bit, Tony the Tiger. I, thought, I don't know. It was. Yes, it was. Yes, it did. One, two, three. <laughs> Vincent Price comes. So, yes, that was uh, a ser- that was a Gremlin cereal commercial, and I thought it was apropos because Gremlins is yet another horror comedy, maybe the most popular one. There you go. Okay. No, I'm not going to get drawn back into that. We spent enough time just trying to figure out what a horror comedy genre encompasses. It is crazy. Apparently, the overlap and the Venn diagram is so broad. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, But anyway, I want to reset by saying thank you again to Carlos and Jill, or Jill Michelle, or Michelle backslash Jill, 
uh, for uh, taking some time talking to us about the about the movie. Uh, and you notice uh-huh. I managed to sneak in there because it was a Zoom interview. There was literally a ticking doomsday clock of when they were going to pull us off. And I shouted out, thank you for Reno 911. And I want you guys uh-huh. to know that I meant that because uh, I hope they understood it. That show was one of the things after this crazy fucked up year. It It was one of my my security blankets it was what i would put on the on in the background to drown out the you know the mania the paranoia in my head it was like the antidote mm. to cnn makes sense you know what i mean like a lot of people really got so into the office did you guys have shows uh, like that uh, yes i did for sure i think um one of the things that being stuck in your house for a year uh kind of allows is um for you to catch up, you know, like there's a lot of these shows that are, you know, everybody talks about and you're like, yeah, I want to, I want to participate in this conversation, but I just, I haven't gotten to it yet. I haven't gotten to it yet. And one of the shows, the main show that I think I watched not only straight through, but I watched it straight through over and over again was, was. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think a prerequisite for, for it to over the lat in 2020, you had to have watched yeah. the whole thing twice. And you were this was Parks and Rec, which is, yeah, yeah. And it's, um, oh, it's one. shocking to, right. Cousin to the office. Which was kind Similar of designed, DNA. it was it originally its conceived as, as a spinoff, but it just went into its own direction. Um, and, uh, it's great. It's 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 incredible. It's hilarious. It's got just about every everybody that started in that show is now a big a big fat star, uh, and that's that's great. And actually, a alumni of Witness Infection has a a, a, a guest starring role in a couple of episodes. Aaron Hayes. Yeah, she plays Aaron Hayes. She plays Anna. I love Aaron Children's Hayes. Hospital. Children's yep. and she plays Annabelle Porter in a couple of very famous, uh, memorable um, episodes where she's kind of like this kind of fashion guru, trendsetter. It's this really awesome character that she plays in it. It's it's really something else because um, we all know that person <laughs> in. In TV, <laughs> and the way that she, the way that she kind of portrays it, I, I think is genius. But um, so yeah, I really like Parks and Rec. I watched it a lot, and I, I I was I watched it until it, I watched it until it ran. Um, um, uh, it kind of finished its course in Netflix, and then it moved to Peacock, and then I watched it a few times. Like I'm serious from first episode to last episode a few times on Peacock and now it's just on uh it's just the first season on Peacock and now it's over. Now they yep. put it behind yep. so, the paywall. Same as they've done with the office, which I think was unanimously voted by the mm-hmm. nation as its number one like oh give me comfort, Michael Scott. Stuck indoors if you're binging something. We all, you know, watched Plenty of scary movies, plenty of funny movies, plenty mm-hmm. of scary funny yep. movies, if you will. But uh, we would uh, sometimes you have to go back to that, to that comfort. Uh, show. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. How Reno nine one one helped the office, of course, for everybody. 
good call on Parks and Rec. I watched, I did get back into it. I probably watched like three seasons over the course of like four or five days, I think once. Uh, But then I got distracted and probably wandered back to Reno 911. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, you're there, right? Did you have anything like that? I'm I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so it's been a long uh creeping up on a little over a year now and uh I've had plenty of time to revisit some of my favorites. Uh as we're talking about, you know, the comfort shows that, you know, I I I I want to watch and absorb every ounce of them, but also that I can just have on in the background while I'm doing whatever, you know, like uh re, you know, not reading that <laughs> Saved by the Cat book or I mean Save the Cat book. Uh, but you know, so number one, of course, I think would be the Batman show, the 66 show. I've watched that, you know, a couple times through and I enjoy that every time, but community, uh, has been a big, um, big staple. Like I probably watched that through at least four times. Huge rewatch. Like all the way, all the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny every time, like all the episodes are funny. I don't think, I don't think there's a, there's a, there's a bad one in the bunch, right? Well, there's and, season uh, every, four. Everybody's on fire, but I don't want to get in it. That's we're not but, doing the community show now, but yeah. Well, yeah, let's save that for next time. But <laughs> hey, um, Jimmy, um, for the most part, there's not. Isn't a bad it really one cool bunch, when you're watching a show over a and over gem. and over again? How you kind of get both the enjoyment of knowing the joke that's coming up, and then also waiting for the joke to pop. Like it's, you're kind of like. You're you're in this kind of weird zone where you know it, and you're still waiting for it, still just as fulfilling as it always was, and and now you're just kind of a part of it now. <laughs> it's kind of a cool thing, right? Right. Oh, like on a rewatch when you can yeah. really appreciate the setup, yeah, knowing where it's going. It's very good. Community right. yeah. is good at that. And community and and there's they, there's a lot of setup and then there's also a lot of jokes going on in the background, visual jokes going on in the background, like oh, like like Abed to, delivering uh, the pay baby, attention to literally background, right? Joke delivers that the baby you and never they ever it. have to even yeah. see. And the Beetlejuice, you know, they, you know, I think it was, it was over three seasons they mentioned Beetlejuice, and on the third one was the Halloween episode. Or, or a one of the Halloween episodes, and as she said, Beetlejuice for the third time, he walked behind yeah. somebody in a Beetlejuice costume. Uh, I love, her. like, I think at, the at best Alex, joke in Annie, there. Annie. The uh, best joke is the is that's the, just great writing. Yeah, that is almost so good. I wonder if that was just coincidence, but I don't want to get bogged in that. Now, Mikey, Pop-pop! what's the best Unlikely. joke? <laughs> <laughs> Do you love it? Just like the, like. Undefined, unbridled, just yeah. enthusiasm. Pop, pop. All he does is one catchphrase that means nothing. And then even he when, he's, awesome. when he's like dying from the freaking uh, uh, paintball, he's like, pop. Yeah, that he's like, what, what he's is it? on the ground, dying, he goes, pop. What is it? What do you think he was going to say? Megatron, what is it? What is it? Megatron. Pop. Uh, I don't think it's well, that, Megatron. That's his name, right? Megatron? I don't think it's exactly what it is. It doesn't matter. It's pop pop. Yeah, magnitude. That's what it is. Yeah, magnitude. Yeah, magnitude. Oh that's, magnitude. So, that's so good. That's so magnitude. good. Uh, so, yeah, but but um, it was. It's but it's a special place in our hearts. I think uh, after after the past year, I mean, it definitely is. Like I always enjoyed Reno nine one one. I've seen probably the entire uh, series front to back 
eight, ten times, or at least in pieces over the years, but it was the last three viewings probably in the last year when it meant the most to me to kind of be able to take it for granted because it was it's stuff like that that was blocking out all of the questions and not knowing what the fuck was going on in the world. Uh, and it's it's being able to lean right. on entertainment like that that felt so important to me. And may, does that make me terrible, I guess is my question. No, 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 not at all. And I was – I, I kind of wanted to add, like, this is also – this past year has been a different type of binge-watching, yes. whereas, whereas opposed exactly. to in years past, binge-watching is maybe – two, three episodes a day if, or whatever, you know, you've got a, a pace or maybe over the weekend. Whereas, you know, this past year, you could probably log yeah. eight to 10 hours a day of watching well, like, your favorite show and burn, you know. Also, I think like in 2018, if you watched four hours straight of, of any show, you felt guilty. Any, whereas in 2020, yeah. if you didn't, Watch four hours straight, <laughs> like, you would feel guilty. Like that turnaround, right, and so I, my lifestyle <laughs> maybe didn't change that much, but my anxiety so much certainly vacuuming did. This rug can take. I mean, I'm I got to I got to watch <laughs> TV. <laughs> I mean, it's just enough. Is enough. It, it's but yeah, you got and um, you know since right. our. Uh, but I also got sucked into a lot of, like, fucking watching scary movies and other shit that really didn't help my psyche. It sure yeah, entertained but, but me Shay, for a while. Can we, but then can when we, it came um, out, I, I, I felt I, like more I of a love, raw nerve. Since this may be the best opportunity to talk about Reno 911. I would love to talk about it a little bit more because th this show, yeah. So, oh hell yeah, you know, okay. what do you like about that show? I'm a big fan of that show. Um, you know, even when like Super Troopers was like in the movie theater, you know, those those types of movies. Uh, did I did I get did I get it right? Was it called Super Troopers? Yeah, yeah. The the Super Troopers. Yeah, Super Troopers. That was that's the. That you reminded me. I wanted to ask him. I've always heard the rumor that Reno Nine One One was supposed to be a oh, TV okay. series based on Super Troopers, but we didn't we didn't get a chance to get too yeah, much into and, Reno Nine One One. But yeah, uh, I love that movie. Right, and that's that's and, that's what um, made me fall and, in love with you know, Reno Nine One One. Clearly, for those of you that uh, yeah. that don't know, uh, our guest uh, actually was the guy with always wearing the frickin' mirror uh, Ray-Bans, uh, those, those aviators, right? That, 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 uh, that, that was him. Yeah, yeah, those, uh, those uh, Cool Hand Luke fucking uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And sheriff's glasses. He was, he was, he was a little guy, a uh, Dep yeah, uh, and who was very, very Garcia. fit, and he's very fit in this particular movie as well. He's like this yoke little dude, but you know he's got on these shades, and he's just a totally different person whenever he's on that show. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so yeah, uh, what did you like? It's a, uh, it's it's that great, uh, it's that great improv that only skilled people can do. That's a. It's what made the show great, and what's what made it last. And it's had like one of the things we champion on this show is those shows that are so good that they get canceled. Someone else picks them up, and they do more stuff. 
And Reno 911 is actually on the air now on, I forget what it is, uh, one of those weird, uh, not quite Netflix. Crackle. It might be a crackle. I don't but know. Yeah, I'm guessing. Something, uh, think about might crackle, be a crackle level. Like if you got an extra six don't, bucks, don't maybe forget. it's worth it. But there actually, there's new ones out on that. This has come back on so many levels. They had six seasons in a movie. That is not a lie. Yeah. They had a movie. Yeah. Did they yes. go to Miami, right? Which is just a big joke in itself. Reno 911. Well, it also helped in discover Miami. Wendy McClendon Kobe. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. Had she was, a big, well, she uh, had a big breakout in Bridesmaids, now. the Ooh. movie Bridesmaids, which was, I think it's still the biggest comedy uh, uh, grossing of all time, at least uh, female led comedy of all time. But, yeah, she was starring in the Goldbergs as the mom. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's no small yep. thing. I mean, that that show's been on the air for eight, ten years, something like that. I mean, that's that's huge. Um, yep, almost as long <laughs> as the 80s, so I'm not yeah. sure what they're going to do. Let's, let's not... Let's let's not gloss over that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jill Michelle was yes, also on yeah, that show. They're they're both from that show. That's why, I, you know, Shotgun sprayed my compliment to uh, my thanks to both of them, uh, right up right <laughs> on their faces. But uh, yeah, Reno nine one one. Tom Lennon, Ben Garant are actually two of the you know the most sought after comedy screenwriters and script doctors, uh, both from the state. Uh, if we're just still singing praises about the show, uh, well, which look, I'm Zach willing to keep Galifianakis doing. Galifianakis was on that show for like a guest role. Patton Oswalt was yep, on there. Was um, Paul Rudd was yep. on there. Uh, Michael Ian Black was on there for on a the few state? episodes. And another friend of... That was that yeah, was on uh, the Gary Anthony as well, Williams. Joe Can we Trulio? talk about him a little Michael bit? Now, Black. he was in Witness Infection. Yep. Yeah. Well, he was in. He had one of my favorite parts in yeah. Witness Infection. Um, so he yeah. was one of our particular show, Saturday Morning Serial. Gary Anthony Williams, I believe, was a group. I think he was a in the third of the show? episode, maybe the fourth episode. And uh, how deep is your cut? How, how deep is, is your cut? Your so I love every single time I see a very skinny and healthy Gary Anthony Williams, by the way. Uh, every time I see him, for one, I'm like, oh, that's Gary Anthony Williams? The longer our show goes, the <laughs> fatter gets, I get and yeah. the fitter he gets. And, he yeah, first and us, apparently. My God, and, you know, style. when you're seeing a movie that's um, – not taking itself too seriously, uh, and I think that's what we would qualify witness infection as. It's done. It's done very well. Yeah, but yes, it knows but its lane. When if you want to see <laughs> the best moment of acting in that movie is the Gary Anthony Williams scene. Um, I don't want to spoil too much. They talked about it a little bit in the interview that that you guys had. But when you see Gary Anthony Williams, you're going to see some. Some uh, uh, blue ribbon type acting, I believe. He's really bringing it in this particular movie, as he always does. But yeah, you know. Uh, and uh, once again, that is coming out March 30th. Uh, if you're hearing this live, uh, that's about yep. uh, two, three uh, days away. 
if you're not hearing this live, well, it's on you. Brian you probably Brian Posey was on that. Reno 911. David Coker uh, uh, was on uh, Reno 911. Kenny Rogers was on Reno 911. Yeah. I mean, I'm just... Okay, it feels like we're going to do us a Reno 911 reading. Go on, Mark. This will never get old. Is that IMDb, Morgan? <laughs> but this is this is awesome. Uh, I just I just I'm just kind of going through the list here. We have D- uh, Danny DeVito so was on uh, Reno 911. I just And as the boys settled in for a nice long IMDb reading, the rest of us looked around and said, "Well, that's about enough of this." Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Ah, this is enough of this. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.